Hello and welcome to True Crime Diary, in which we look back through the annals of true crime to discuss events that took place on this week in history. I'm your host, Mark Decano, and with me as always are my friends, Jed Lester. Hello. And Rue Turner. Hello. We want your reviews. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review and preferably five stars. And if not, you can always email your review to us at stuff at truecrimediary.co.uk or through our Facebook page or Instagram account. And links to all of those are available on our website, www.truecrimediary.co.uk. And in appreciation of every five-star review, we'll give you a shout-out in a future episode. The date we're looking at this week is the 24th of December. And at 10am on this day in 1828, the trial of William Burke opened. The crimes of William Burke and William Hare were already notorious by the time the trial began, and with Hare turning King's evidence in exchange for immunity, the trial went on uninterrupted through the night and into the morning of Christmas Day, when Burke was found guilty of murder and sentenced to death. It's a bit inconvenient, isn't it? You always think of them as a fairly strong couplet. You don't think of one going, oh yeah, tell you what, I'll tell you he done it and you let me off. Yeah, I mean, that's really surprising actually, because obviously they both did everything together. Mm. But the thing is, they had like no evidence at all. <laughs> they had, <laughs> right. They, they had literally nothing. I mean, I don't know what... There was no forensics in 1828. There was barely apart police... Apart from all them bodies. Apart from all them bodies. Well, all the bodies had been conveniently <laughs> um, used <Chopped> up. And <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, it's a brilliant plan, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's weird that... Basically, because apart from obviously hardly any evidence, they had hardly, they barely got a police force. I mean, Edinburgh was one of the first cities to get a police force, but even they, had, you know, they just got like the, the peelers. Not in, not in eighteen. In eighteen twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. I mean, police. The police job, in those days, was more about keeping the streets clean, than uh, investigating crime. They didn't really investigate things. They was just they would react when people would report a crime, but mostly they were there to you know, move vagrants along and literally keep the streets clean. So they were street sweepers as much as anything. Blimey. It's incredible, isn't it? All this time of life, we've had law and order for about 150 years, mm. and that's it. Imagine the just the carnage would have been just, you can do anything, literally, mm. 200 years ago. Yeah, well, before that, it was the army, basically church at all i suppose church would have guided moralness a, a bit coached lost souls uh, yeah yeah told you apparently told you you know kind of right from wrong but but you could literally yeah do what you want well, that's the great thing about christianity is you can do whatever you like and then just repent at the end and you'll be fine <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the rules as i understand it so i'm sorry forgive me that's the, that's the basis that you live your life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go on then, tell us about Bill and Bill. The Billy Boys. Yeah. I'm surprised they were, I'm surprised that wasn't a uh, more of a, a name. Birkin, Birkin Hair's quite good. It kind of rolls off the, the tongue. It's, it's better than Hair, Hair and Burke. Hair and Burke. Hair and Burke. Birkin Hair. Birkin Hair. But the, bit, the Billy Boys is such an obvious nickname, isn't it? Especially Scottish. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe there were too many. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Too common an epithet. Anyway, go on then. Tell us, who are they? Who are they? Well, they... The Bills. They were Irish immigrants. They were both uh, poor labourers. They both moved to Scotland and they worked on the 
Union Canal, so they were navvies, um, navigational engineers. So they dug, basically. They were diggers and, and, and general labourers. They met each other working on bringing in a harvest in Lothian, which is just outside Edinburgh, um, in 1827. And they became friends. When they moved to Edinburgh, Burke and his wife, Helen McDougall, moved into the same lodging house where Mr. and Mrs. Hare were living. Which is interesting because they met, well, harvest is going to be what, late autumn? So they met in late autumn of 1827, and in November, they started killing people. Wow, wow. And the span of their crimes was one year, during which time they killed 16 people. God, I didn't realise it was over such... They hit it off. That's almost a spree. Arguably, yeah. I'd say that was a spree. It's hardly a career. Classes as (laughs) career, what? Criminal, yeah, it's hardly a career of, of murder and mayhem. It's yeah. just a season. <laughs> they were waiting for the. Well, no, they were just ticking them off and <laughs> earning, just cashing them in, it, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, at the time, I think Hare would have been earning about a pound a week. That would have been the wage. Sounds quite a lot. Now, the sale of a body for dissection would have got them about eight to. £10. Okay. Two months, sorry. The only piece of research I did for this, apart from watching a film, was to find out how much a pound was worth in, in today's money. Uh, but I did it from 1800 and it's about £850 is in today's money. Yeah, it would have been about a grand. Because, it, yeah, eight, eight, between 8 and £10, so call it £9, that's about £1,000 in current parlance. Which is, I suppose that's about right for a body. I mean, it's pretty specific, isn't it? Well, they would have got eight in the summer and ten in the winter. Really? It went up. Stay fresh. Because of freshness. It would go off. Uh, In the summer? Mm. Well, even in Scotland? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, even in Scotland. Yeah, so they'd have to work quickly. So they, they they didn't get as much money in the summertime. Wow, I didn't know there was a... Peak time. No refrigeration. It's not as if though, if you if you're knocking them off, it's not as if you like kill someone just after breakfast and then bring them home, sit them on the sofa, and go, you know, well, we've got to flog this by the end of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no you, you take you're, gonna, still you're, give it, you're either got your buyer ready, yeah, or uh, you know, or you just drop it round while it's still tepid. Well, once they got once they got going, um, they knew there was a buyer always, presumably. Yeah. It? So when it started in November 1827, they had a lodger named Donald. Uh, I don't know if that's his first name or last name. Now, he, uh, he died. He was staying at the lodging house um, with the hares. He was staying there. And he, he died. He died of uh, dropsy. Dropsy? The arms and legs sort of uh, swell up from liquid on... Um, so he died. He, he died. Natural causes. So what are you saying? Me and you go over there, cut him up and flush him down the loo? Burke and Hare, they basically, yep. they took the body... And went looking for a buyer. They just went to the college, and so oh. there was a number of people performing anatomy at the time. So it was clearly a thing. Definitely, Edinburgh was one of the foremost places in Europe to teach anatomy. You got all the Surgeons Square and everything all there. It's all the colleges, um, and it's got still got a reputation. But at the time, it was like one of the big places in Europe. And um, there's a number of people doing it. And the, there was a Professor Monroe. He was quite well known. And then there was um, Doctor Knox. Yes. They went. They took this body. Went to the College of Surgeons looking for Monroe, but a student there guided them to Knox. So they went to Knox's 
surgery and one of Knox's assistants bought Donald for £7.10. shillings. That was their first cadaver. And they basically they thought, well, this is, a, this is easy. <laughs> what a wheeze. What a wheeze, yeah, exactly. Burke and Hare, members of the great medical profession. So they basically found their new source of income. Instead of both of them going, oh dear, this is terrible, let's, I don't know, take it to the morgue or something, or one of them going, mm, I'll tell you what we should do with this. A, a light bulb that, a light bulb's been invented, <laughs> <laughs> went off and both of their heads, both of them going, i tell you what we should do with this. The thing I find tricky about this kind of, like, sudden block of kills is I, I don't believe that at least one of them wasn't doing this before. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't imagine you just suddenly get the idea after meeting a mate, knowing him for a couple of weeks of, oh, let's start knocking people off and flogging them. It's not, yeah. you know, it's not an easy step to make to start killing people. It was, what was it, a month or something? For the yeah. fir- from the first time meeting, I mean, I suppose the first body was, well, what should we do? We, we could, i tell you what, we could... Make some money out of this, but so it wasn't necessarily. Maybe the first one was, yeah, was a real incident, you know. And then, and then it continuing to actual, well, several murders. Technically, when Donald died, when they took him to the surgeons, yeah, they weren't committing a crime. They were just disposing. Well, it wasn't illegal to take a body. Removing or moving a body wasn't a crime. Grave robbing was basically about disturbing a grave. Disturbing a grave was illegal. So digging up a grave was illegal. Taking the body wasn't the illegal part. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So at the time you had uh, grave robbing, you had the body snatchers, or as they called themselves, the, the resurrection men. Because of this demand for anatomical subjects, people would go in, dig up bodies, and take them. It's a thing that happened. It happened yeah, yeah. to such an extent, in fact, that because the demand was ever increasing, more more bodies, more study, there was uh, loads of these people digging up bodies and taking them. So much so that they actually would hire people to basically be in the graveyard at night to protect the grave. Security for the corpses. Yeah, I mean, families would go to the cemetery, have the burial, and then stay there until the body wasn't worth digging up again. Wow, wow, wow. Actually wait at the graveside, you know. Cool, what an existence, blimey. And of course, there's that whole fashion of um, armouring your coffins so that the bodies couldn't be taken out. Yeah, yeah. They have what, um, sometimes they put a great big slab of stone or, mm-hmm. or I suppose concrete or something across the top to over the grave so you couldn't get to it. Meaning it's too heavy. Yeah. It's too yeah. heavy, yeah. Or it would be an effort yeah. to break it up. They had well, uh, mort yeah. safes as well. Yeah, and there'd be iron bars across the body holding it into the thing. So you'd have to dismember the body to take it out. Yeah. So that was a that was a mort safe, the big iron cage over the yeah. grave. They also they built watchtowers so you could in the cemetery, so people could man the towers and watch over the cemetery. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it was a big yeah, deal. Clearly, it, it wasn't like uncommon. So basically, body snatching became too difficult. So murder was a lot easier. <laughs> At least a much easier way to get hold of a body. Uh, yes, of course, yes. And with the rubbish policeman, with the rubbish policeman, yeah. There you go. And also, because the fact, the fact of the matter is that the, there were bodies allowed to be used for anatomical study, but they had to be suicides. They had to be um, pe- uh, people who died in prison or like orphans and what have you, basically unclaimable people. 
Yeah, so 16 people they confessed to having killed. But we don't know who most of them were because we're talking about, you know, waifs and strays. We know who some of them were, but they're literally, they're described as, you know, a, a visiting man. Or, you know, there's a woman who sold salt was one of them. That's what we don't know a lot about. But what we do know is we know a little bit about the three that they were charged with. Okay. Dennis Nielsen had had the same uh, plan. Well, I was thinking that. The same kind of, um, well, as you when you said waste and strays. Also, if, if you're going to get killed, like if you're going to be executed for just a couple, I wonder why you bother mentioning any of the others. I mean, why would you? Why would you admit to any? But yeah. but the but yeah the. Uh, and, and in fact, hang on, it's bizarrely like uh, didn't Dennis Nielsen admit to about sixteen? That of... Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, <laughs> it's all coming together. We now know where he got his ideas. Next to that packet of ready break on his shelf was a Birkin hair book. <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't uh, sell them on. He had them for breakfast or whatever. He dissected yeah. them himself and put them in bags. So were there... Do you think there were like hundreds of people doing this? And these two were the most successful. Hence why we've... Or perhaps just the least successful. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, maybe everybody true. else got away with it. I always thought um, why we don't know uh, why Robert Knox's name isn't more prominent in history. I mean, I know it is prominent in history, but why isn't more prominent in history as to being synonymous with a very, very famous trial? I'm aware he didn't do the murders, but he clearly knew. What was going on um, every other night? Perhaps it wasn't every every other week. You know they're going. Yeah, here's another one. This one's as fresh as a new cut cabbage. The first question surely was, uh, so where did you get that? <laughs> just out of interest. But he doesn't care about that. He just wants something to study and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. dissect and learn from. I suppose to him it's meat. Yeah, it's easily argued, I think, that that either A, he knew all about it, yes. but didn't tell anybody, or... Didn't. He didn't <laughs> know anything about it. But I, th- I think there's no, there's every reason to, un- to believe that he got the idea. He might have not known for certain, but, you know, he'd have to be pretty suspicious because they're bringing regular I know, bodies, yeah, pretty yeah. regular. I mean, that's ridiculous. I and, mean, you know... Although, I mean, not understanding how the medical cadaver industry worked at that time it's quite possible that Burke and Hare may have just been seen as like representing a, as an agent so they were perhaps buying them from other families who were having sure, losses sure. in their family and then selling them at a higher price for educational That's purposes true. to the yeah, universities yeah. you know like, like you know they've meat. got the contacts and people go to them when they've lost someone you know yeah I think it's just the safest thing to say is probably they 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 wanted the cadavers enough that they just didn't want to ask any questions. Best not to know. Yeah, yeah. He really he really wanted them, didn't he, old Doctor Knox? Yeah, good quality ones, not so easy to come by. And I think why you were saying that um, Knox isn't really as famous, Burke and Hare are famous, and Knox really isn't. Yes, is that firstly because he was exonerated, he wasn't charged with anything. Um, sure, sure. He's not part of the, the criminal story, if you like. 
Right, okay. okay. But also, he, he was then slowly kind of sidelined out of the yeah, story. Yeah, he was uh, you know? blackballed, basically, yeah. wasn't he? I mean, understandably, because everyone knew what was, you know, everyone was like, really? <laughs> yeah. There's a, uh, there was a, a rhyme, as often happened at this time, because people had no hey. TV. Yes. Go on, then. Up the close and doon the stair, Burt and Ben with Burt and Hare. Burks the butcher, hears the thief, knocks the boy that buys the beef. Yeah, that's good, that. Yeah, it's a nice one. Say it, say it again. Through the close and up the stair. So that's, you know, down the road and up the stair. Yeah. Yep. But and Ben, we're oh, and here. But and Ben, yeah. Yeah. But and Ben. Does that mean something to you? But, but and Ben is a, like a, um, a small stone farmstead. It's a very small building. Oh, a so that's up the stairs of the lodging house, basically. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, Button Ben. All right, so there you go. So it's uh, through the close, up the road, up the stairs to the lodging house with Burke and Hare, and then it's Burke's the Burke's the butcher, Hare's the thief, and knocks the boy who buys the beef. It's all right, man. So yeah, it's a good one. Right, so the three people that we know of who fell to their foul deeds. Yep. Um, there's one woman named uh, Mary Patterson, sometimes Mary Mitchell. They weren't too uh, worried about names at the time. Now, she was allegedly uh, quite the beauty. She uh, may have been a prostitute, but she may simply have been um, like a resident of the Magdalen Asylum, which is a sort of reform school. Now, she had a friend named Janet Brown, who was a staunch defender of her reputation, so everyone said she was a prostitute. She said, no, she wasn't. Now, Brown was one of the last people to see Patterson alive because they met up with Burke and they all went for some drinks and they had like, breakfast and and uh, that's part of their, their uh, formula was they would get people drunk. Uh-huh. Um, so they literally, they went for breakfast and basically knocked back a couple of bottles of whiskey. Come on, you tiny little wreck, have a drink. Um, <laughs> oh, right, Re- really? A proper drunk, Scottish basically. breakfast, yeah. Right, okay. I was thinking just like, hey, kind of merry. But <laughs> no, you mean, I mean absolutely Passed out, out cold. drunk. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah, okay, fine, fine. And that's the better option if you've yeah. heard of them. Yeah. Hey, well, oh, some... you're my best mate, you are. <laughs> you're my best mate. <laughs> why, you won't, why are you murdering me? This is, a, this um, is another similarity with Nilsson, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Get them liquored up. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, if it ain't broke. Yeah. Well, it's a coward's murder, isn't it? Get them drunk first. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, Patterson passed out drunk, and Brown, her friend, uh, left her with Burke. Fatal mistake. Burke was there with McDougal, his his wife. They had a, they started having an argument. So Brown left her. Patterson passed out on the table. Them two fighting. Brown left. When she came back, she, um, they were gone, and she never saw them again. Her friend again. Okay. Who was the? Um, sorry, I've lost track. Who was the kind of? Baddy out of the badder, the badder out of the two. Oh, hair, definitely. Was he the one who he turned the evidence? Turned uh, King's evidence. Hanged? No, Burke hanged. Burke, Burke but. is kind of a, the the thug, and hair is the was, thug. Yep, was still an unsavoury character, but he was the one who ran the the lodging house and plotted and and he's the one who turned murdered. King's evidence against Burke to save himself. And you know it gives a man pride, respect of himself to be doing a good job. Wow. So Burke hanged and hair walked. Right. So he just had one more killing in him. Spoiler alert. 
Um, that's one. So the second person that we know about was... 15 to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second person that they were indicted for, they were charged with the murder of, was young James Wilson. He was commonly known around the town as Daft Jamie because he were a bit daft. Oh, yes. Okay, fine. He was uh, mentally and physically disabled, basically. So he... Okay. Okay. Gosh. Had like a club foot or something like that. He walked uh, with difficulty. But he was an amiable... He was a street beggar. He lived on the street and he just begged money for a living, basically. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, he was quite well known around the town because everyone... Edinburgh wasn't a huge city. It still isn't now. And that's because even with all the new town added. Sure, yeah. Um, but um, it wasn't a big city. And uh, so... You know, and Jamie, because of his amiable demeanour and, of course, his his awkward walk and his, you know... Noticeable. Yeah, Yeah. he was a noticeable character around town. So when he suddenly disappeared, people sort of go, oh, hello, where's where's Jamie gone? Hello. Now, he turned up in uh, Knox's surgical theatre. Oh, right, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was quick. Which, yeah, and uh, so one of the one of the, his uh, Knox's assistants um, said that oh he looked familiar. Um, right, yeah. So when he actually went into the theatre to be for dissection, his uh, head and feet were had been removed prior to being uh, wheeled out. So because yeah. people it, yeah. may have gone, hang on. Yeah. So all the assembled Isn't students that... would have gone. That's Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So because he was that, he was clearly that well known. He was well known. Yeah. So if you're if you're thinking yeah, about yeah. Knox's, how much Knox knew or didn't know? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. He's yeah. like you know, key a little bit piece of, of yeah. I'll just decapitate him. And then the final one was a Margaret uh, Doherty, also called Margaret Campbell. Now she was invited round to uh, Burke's place for drinks, as is the fashion. And he had a couple of people staying there um, called uh, Anne and James Gray. They were staying and they were asked to move out and go and stay at Hare's lodging house for the night because um, this Margaret they'd invited around. They said, oh, she's, you know, a relative from Ireland, which is nonsense. Um, so we're going to have a family night drinking and you two need so to So what did they say away. to Doherty to entice her in? Let's, let's come around and let's get laggard. <laughs> but actually, that'll do, watch. That'll Hello, do for most love. folk. <laughs> yeah. Really? All right, love. Do you want to come back to ours? We'll keep drinking. Yeah, but which what, is what they had mean? to do that... in Edinburgh in eighteen twenty-eight. But that was it. There was no like. Well, you know, I wasn't um, there. I don't know the details of the conversation. But they like were like, "Hello, how are you in the Hello. street? <laughs> Would you like a drink?" Yeah, basically. basically. Right. Yeah, well, they just you know just friendly, yeah. you know. Couple of right, okay. We've got Irish we've likely got lads roof. who've got plenty of booze. Yeah, we've got yeah, okay. we've got a roof room you can come round, we'll chat, we'll drink, it'll be great. So she did, she went round and then they killed her. Now yeah. the fun, the thing about that is the next day Anne and James Gray returned to the house and there was a little oh, yeah. bit of back and forth about oh, you know, you can't go in here and you can't go in there, you can't do that. Anyway, basically it came to the fact that they managed to, they got into the room where Doherty her, her, used body, to be. Was, her <laughs> yeah. body was under the bed. They hadn't had time Gosh. to move it yet. Right, right. So they called the police. So this is the thing about where the police uh, yes. only react to people reporting crime. They said, oh, yes. dead body. So the police went round. They found the remains. Well, 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 what do we have here? So they basically, they arrested Burke and his wife, McDougal. And then later on, they caught up with Hare and Mrs. Hare and they arrested them as well. 
they realised they didn't actually have a lot of evidence about who'd actually done the killing. So they, okay. they then they offered William Hare um, the opportunity to turn King's evidence against Burke. So basically, you you tell us everything that happened, testify against Burke, and we'll give you immunity. So he got immunity for himself and his wife in order to testify against Burke and McDougall. They probably would have asked the same question to... Which one? Burke. The other one. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> they probably would have asked the same question, but he may have said, I don't know, just kept quiet or something. But the other one... Maybe, yeah. Set was like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because they wouldn't just go, oh, I'll tell you what, let's offer immunity to one of them. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things you see on like the cop shows, you know. You've got mm. them in opposite interrogation yeah. rooms. Yeah. And <laughs> turn them yeah. against each other. He's offering the same deal Completely. to your mate right now. Which one of you breaks <laughs> first? Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, he spilt whatever information he spilt. Yeah, so basically... And he the police were like, okay then. They weren't like interested in getting them both. They just... Well, they, they, they knew they couldn't really prove anything. They needed someone to say, this is what happened and I know I was there. And he did it. Yeah. That's what they had. They didn't have... This is 1828. They didn't have anything yeah. realistically other than no witness testimony. Yeah. No evidence, no... You, got, you can't say, oh, yeah, his DNA was on the body. Mm. <laughs> they don't even know what that is at the yeah, time. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's literally, it was all down to witness statements. And they had one witness, realistically, which was him. And against the, the, right. the other two. Yes, yes. And even then, even then, even after Hare confessed everything, and said, oh, you know, we killed 16 people. This is who they were. This is what happened. They got the confession from Burke on that basis. He confessed. Although his version didn't match Hare's version, and he gave a second interview, which also didn't match the other two versions. So it's not very clear exactly what happened, but it is known that the two of them definitely killed those 16 people. But even that, um, they still didn't have enough evidence against McDougall, and she was uh, released, even though she went to trial. Wow. Wow. Now, she wasn't off scot-free. Verdict was not proven, which basically means you're not acquitted, you're not being found mm. not guilty. We just can't prove it. So we're releasing you because we can't prove you did it. <laughs> Which is basically you saying, we really think you did it. <laughs> <laughs> Which also turns the idea of innocent until proven guilty on its head. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> she didn't walk in there innocent. She walked in there not yet proven guilty. Not yet, not guilty yet, yeah. Yeah. So McDougall was found not proven and she, mm. she was released at the end of the trial. So Christmas morning. Would she? Is she nothing more than... An accomplice, or yeah. complicit. She was an accomplice. She was she would just, have helped them with moving, but she didn't commit yes. murder. But she would help with moving the bodies. Okay, an accessory. An accessory. She was attacked by a mob, and mm. when uh, released from the court, and she had to flee into the protection of the police. Hey. <laughs> Your favourite. She fleed. She fleed. <laughs> she fled. Were the mob? Um, can I just check if the mob were baying? A baying mob, <laughs> definitely, yeah. definitely a were baying they? mob. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, it's not a normal yeah. mob. No, all Do mobs they, bay, they, don't they? Uh... Baying's default status, isn't it? <laughs> Cattle are the only things that low, and mobs are the only things that bay. Bay, is that right? Yeah. No, some are some are angry. An angry mob. Yep. Yeah. yeah baying. No, I think what's the difference. A... What's the dif What's the difference between baying and angry? Well, you could be angry but quiet, quietly angry. <laughs> Uh, baying but are... If you're isn't... baying, you're shouting, isn't it? Is it? 
I think so. Are they Bay for Bay blood? for Blood? Or, yeah. That's a thing, isn't it? Yeah. I've no, sure, I've, why I not? personally have never bayed for blood. I've never bayed for anything, <laughs> as far as I'm aware. Not, not to my knowledge, at least. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's agree that it, they were a baying one. Okay, duly noted. I, so I'm, 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 just, uh, <laughs> I'm just checking a definition. Um, of baying. And it is uh, typically of dogs and wolves to make a long, deep <laughs> cry repeatedly. Uh, right, okay, there you go. Okay, so a baying mob attacked her and she fled into the protection of the police. Now, the mob laid the police station under siege. She had to yep. escape out of a window to get away. Yeah. Was it, hang on, was it a bay window? <laughs> <laughs> well, once she was out the window, I'm assuming it's a little tiny window in a bathroom or something like that. It's yeah, annoying. She, uh, she, she like left, she basically, window. yeah, out the window, she left the city and, yeah, no one knows what happened to her after that. She went in disappeared into hiding was that it yeah <laughs> she's gone out the window out she the... left the city no one knows <laughs> what happened to her. Right. Out, the, out of the window and out of the story successful right, fleeing fine. that was a they didn't really they didn't really surround the building did they no no they out wouldn't... the window <laughs> out the window straight there's a sign saying to to countryside to freedom uh, yeah <laughs> yeah okay all right, fine. So we never heard from her ever again. Never heard from her again. Now, Margaret Hare okay. was uh, not a dissimilar story. She was released in January. Now, obviously, she'd been kept um, in custody for her own protection. Mm-hmm. So sure. she was released um, a couple of weeks after the trial. She was also recognised and attacked by a, presumably a baying mob. Yeah, I'd imagine it was the same baying mob. Yeah. She also had to flee to the protection of the police. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, now she didn't have when to escape she through the window. same window. <laughs> no, she was escorted under the police guard to the port, and um, they put her on a ferry back to Ireland. And uh, okay, never heard from her again. So that would have left from from a port, which would be near the bay. <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with, this was clearly a by the fact a mob was present in both of those wives departures would suggest that it was a very very well known and topical mm. court, court case oh yeah everyone knew about this right right it was big in fact the trial the execution and you know everything that came after there were thousands of people attending or attempting to attend it nearly broke into a riot in some places because people couldn't get in wow. to, into the court case yeah William Hare, then, he was released in February of 1829, so he was kept behind a couple more weeks than Margaret was. Now, when he was released, he was set out on a coach out of the city. I mean, think stagecoach, not like a Greyhound or National Express, but stagecoach. But on the stagecoach, on the coach out of the city going to uh, Dumfries, was a man who represented the family of one of the deceased in the court case. (laughs) by coincidence yeah he's just getting a coach to Dumfries sure yeah now he recognised him he told the other people who he was Mm. and when they got to Dumfries they basically got out of the coach and said hey everybody you you never guess who this is (laughs) yeah yeah and there was uh, again uh, a baying mob an instant baying mob (laughs) yeah it was a flash flash mob do you think so yeah that's what happened was it 
Yeah, so much so they had to call in a, a hundred police specials to come in to restore order. That must have taken ages. Yeah. Get get me a hundred. Get me a hundred police. That's like everyone in the city. Not 99, yeah. 100. It's like literally, yeah, bring me all the police. <laughs> of course, yeah. Bring me everyone. So they took him into police custody again for his own protection. And then in the middle of the night, in the early hours of the next morning, they basically took him out of the city and they put him on the road and basically said, England's that way. Where you go. Right, right. And that was it. And off he went on the road to England. And again, that's it. Not, not heard from him again. <laughs> I, I assume he was beaten to death on the road that, to England. That's how the witness protection programme worked then. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So have we got to the um, execution yet? Yes, so the fate of William Burke then. He was hanged in a public forum, as was the fashion. Yep. There yep. was a crowd of estimated of 25,000 people to see his execution. Wow. 25,000? Like I say, no TV. No, yeah. No Instagram. So they'd all have known about that through word of mouth or as you say leafleting kind of newspapery whatever yeah but they all turned up and where was that then whereabouts oh that would have been in the city center wow because once he was executed yep he was taken was... to be dissected and anatomized. Hey. <laughs> oh right right well that's quite good actually isn't it yeah i mean poetic yeah 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 i wonder if there was like a VIP section in in the execution. You know, in those days, if there was a, you know, boxes at a theatre. Yeah. Because 25,000 people. I mean, they can't have all been... The area around the execution would have been packed, but people were letting out their windows, all the little tenement buildings around mm. surrounding. They were, you know, oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. and stand in the window, you can watch. Yeah, great. Yeah, literally yeah. Were, were giving out um, box seats at the sides. Wow. So um, the judge in the case, Boyle, had said um, when he passed the death sentence on Burke, he said, um, your body should be publicly dissected and anatomized. And I trust that if it's ever customary to preserve skeletons, yours will be preserved in order that posterity may keep in remembrance your atrocious crimes. I'm going to cut your heart out with a spoon! And that is exactly what happened. He was dissected on show to the medical students. And his skeleton was removed to Edinburgh Medical School, where it remains to this day. It's not often that judges pass a kind of like poetic mm. justice, but it's, that's quite good. That so, hang on, who it was just given to medical science, not not to Doctor Knox, not to Doctor Knox, no, to uh, Doctor Monroe, the person yeah, they right, initially right, right. tried to find. Yes, wow, wow. And, but it does get a little bit macabre because at the uh, dissection, Monroe dipped a, a quill pen into Burke's blood and wrote a note yeah. saying this, <laughs> this note's written in the blood of William Blimey. Burke. The blood was taken from the head. Blimey That's what he God. wrote on the note. It's a bit dark. Oh, look at the beautiful colours of the blood. Yeah, well, it gets darker because uh, some of his uh, skin was removed and tanned and made into more than one object. There was a calling card case 
that was made of his skin. There was a book who was bound with it. Good grief. Really? So, yeah. I mean, it's not... Um, it's worse <laughs> It's worse than the, than the crimes, arguably. It was just, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. The science kind of goes out the window a bit, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It turns into this hideous serial killer style... Yeah. Yeah. Using uh, them for dissection tro- makes tro- sense, but then mm. yeah, then making trophies, macabre trophies is just yeah. Are, those, are those do those still exist? Uh yes. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think they're like ob- objects in um like museums and things. I don't know yeah. what's in I don't know what the entirety of what was made or what's in private hands, but there's definitely a couple of items in um, on public display. On show. Yeah, yeah. What then happened to Dr. Knox? Well, in Burke's statements, he made it clear that Knox didn't know anything about it, or he certainly said he didn't encourage him in killing, he didn't know about the killing. Um, and Knox also um, was at a, an inquiry which exonerated him. But unfortunately, his reputation was now in tatters yes. because of his connections. Strangely enough. Yeah. So the university, the, the College of Anatomy, it kind of... He was kind of edged out, and um, eventually, he, he his when his wife passed away, he moved to London, and he worked at the Brompton Cancer Hospital that was there. He had a, wow. he had a practice in Hackney as well. So he basically went. He quietly left and went down somewhere where he wasn't known. He did contribute a lot based on what his, his work. He did lots of papers and things. So he was quite mm. respected in that sense. But his reputation was destroyed. He had, he died in 1862. Wow! Oh, wow! So uh, well. Um, William Burke did leave uh, one um, one legacy behind, which is the practice of yep. burking. Burking? Yeah, which is a, a cause of death, suffocation by chest compression. It's called oh, burking. In, in popular culture, hmm. uh, do you know... There's quite a lot. There's quite hmm. a lot. There's a lot of like movies and stuff. Do you know one Robert Louis Stevenson? I Never did. heard of him. No, one <laughs> him off Bob. of off of the Treasure Island, and, yep. and all that stuff. He wrote a, a short story called The Body Snatcher in 1884, based on this tale, which was then made into a film in 1945, featuring Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff. And that's the first of many films. There's things. There's Timothy Dalton and uh, Jonathan Price were in a movie called The Doctor and the Devils. There's my personal favourite, The Flesh and the Fiends, in 1960, with uh, Donald Pleasance, Peter Cushing, Billy Whitelaw. Great movie. Um, there's a movie called Burke and Hare in 1972. And then recently, uh, John Landis made a movie called Burke and Hare and in 2010, which has Simon Pegg and Andy Serkis as Burke and Hare. Yeah, I've seen um, Flesh and the Fiends, uh, which is actually, the whole film is actually on, on YouTube. I think it's quite good, actually. Cushing is his usual kind of role, I would say. Chewing the <laughs> but scenery. He's very, um, yeah, he's very. Um, it's good though. Um, and a young, or perhaps he was. I don't know whether he was young or not. Donald Pleasance was he young? He didn't well, look young, but <laughs> well, he must have been quite young. He's only a few years away from uh, Bluefield in James Bond, so he wasn't. Yeah, so yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. In The Great Escape, he looked quite old, and Blofeld. I mean, he looked old, didn't he? Um, was he always old? <laughs> yeah, he was always. I was born old. <laughs> um, and Peter Cushing, um, 
in the flesh and the fiends i was i was when i was watching it i was thinking um oh i never knew he had that kind of slightly lazy eye kind mm. of thing because he he's got this thing in that uh in the film and then i read that robert knox had a slightly uh i don't know how you describe it it wasn't lazy eye, he, uh, just the he lost the, the sight was slightly he had small oh, he did oh, yeah. sorry right okay. dr knox had smallpox and he was quite apparently quite scarred by it and he also lost, right. a, oh, lost okay. an eye oh, okay it. and then i and uh, so i read so it was that made afterwards <laughs> it was made up and then i thought oh right he's uh, yeah sorry uh, <laughs> it's it's actually uh, for the film because i just thought oh, i never noticed that before yeah but anyway yeah it's quite good um and it's there's a young well I keep on saying young, uh, <laughs> young. Billy White Billy Whitelaw oh. uh, who looks pretty good in it um, and then I would say that was pretty first few films yeah and um, not forgetting uh, of course Melvin Hayes <laughs> yeah <laughs> as Daft Jamie typecast typecast as the Daft one. <laughs> Yeah. It was very good casting. I very thought. good casting. Um, yeah. yeah, and then you've got, as I say, the most recent uh, iteration, Burke and Hare, uh, in 2010 with Peg and Sirkins. Now that's quite. Um, yeah. it's a black comedy. It's a comedy, obviously, as you would expect is. with Peg in it. Yeah, um, but it's. Um, I mean, it's passable. It's a. It's a loose interpretation. It's passable. Well, one notable thing about that film for me is that if you managed to get through the film. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> at the very end, um, in the closing credit sequence, they have filmed the skeleton of William Burke in the mm. medical college. No, really, the yeah. actual. Yeah. So, so if you can't no, get quite if good, you can't get to Edinburgh and you can't get access to the watch the end school, of that film. Watch that film, <laughs> and that's as close as you can get. But it's uh, it's remarkable to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I've only seen the various clips and trailer of that film and it's um you know i'm sure it's all right but i don't really see it as a hilarious comedy so no. therefore i warmed towards uh the flesh and the fiend a bit more yeah exactly and you know it's like you're saying you know if you want to if you want to see a film interpretation of the story of the titanic don't watch titanic watch a night to remember and right. if you want oh, to watch okay. the story of Birken yeah, yeah. Hare, don't watch Birken Hare, watch The Flesh and the Fiends. We've had a review. Ooh. Ooh. Ten stars. Take that, Richard Herring. Ten stars. Only ten. Only ten out of five. Very good. Who's that from? <laughs> Whose mum sent this one? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. From a listener in the US. So thank you, Donna, for sending in your review. So our review says, I absolutely love your podcast. Two exclamation marks. Strong opener. And this is definitely real. Yes. Okay. She continues, I am a true crime podcast lover and yours hits the mark perfectly. I love your sense of humour and all the little sounds and voices you input in the podcast. It really makes me smile and laugh and that's just what we all need right now. But not to mention, I love hearing the crime stories just as much. Please keep it up. I'm waiting for more. I've listened to all of them and I can't wait to get the next one. Uh, brilliant. Thanks very much, uh, Donna. You will sadly have to wait, but only two weeks. Yeah, exactly. Thanks very much. The, in fact, we'll dedicate the whatever you've just listened to. <laughs> As it's so long until the next one, you can have the one we just did. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> that neither of us, apart from Mark, knows which one it is because we're recording this separately. But anyway, brilliant. Thank you very much for your review. Keep them coming. That's all for this time and for this year. 
If you want to know more about what we've talked about this week, then just Google it or something. Please remember to send us your review, leave one in your podcast provider if you can, and you can get all our daily feeds, email and previous episodes on our website at truecrimediary.co.uk. We'll be back in the new year with more, but until then have a peaceful and pleasant holiday season and however you choose to celebrate, worship or abstain, please be safe, be good and be nice. At the very least until the next date in our True Crime Diary.